How do we fix the worst defense in the NFL? Michael Nania of JetsXFactor.com joins me again today. We're going to talk about free agents who could interest the Jets on the defensive side of the ball on today's episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome. This is the Locked On Jets podcast for Friday, February 18th, 2022. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. This show is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Our motto is your team every day. No matter what team you root for in pro or college sports, there should be a Locked On Podcast there for you, producing new episodes each day, Monday through Friday. This podcast is free and available on all platforms. That includes YouTube. So if you like what you see or hear, click the subscribe button and you'll never miss an episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, give this episode a thumbs up. It will help other Jets fans find the channel. Joining me again today is Michael Nania of JetsXFactor.com. Yesterday, Michael and I spoke about offensive free agents who could interest the Jets this offseason. Today, we're going to turn our attention to the defensive side of the ball. Let's move into my discussion with Michael Nania on defensive free agents who could interest the Jets. And today we have video. Yesterday we had some technical issues, but today you'll be able to see us if you're watching on YouTube. Talking with Michael Nania of JetsXFactor.com about potential free agents who could interest the Jets this offseason. On the defensive side of the ball, last year, maybe the biggest signing the Jets made was at defensive end. It was Carl Lawson, and unfortunately, he suffered an injury in the preseason practice against the Packers. In fact, I actually could tell you a story, Michael, about Carl Lawson's injury. Is I was on vacation in California when that happened. I was driving. They have this great highway, the Pacific Coast Highway, which kind of takes you down. And you see like these incredible sights along the Pacific Ocean. So I'm having this like very peaceful day. It's like a beautiful sight. I'm, I'm seeing all this amazing stuff. I get to my hotel for the night and I get asked to do this interview about for Jets preview. And the first question is, so John, Carl Lawson, season ending injury today. And I'm like, what, what, what happened? What did I miss today? <laughs> um, but obviously they lost Carl Lawson for the season. I think there is a bit of a question across from Lawson. Hopefully it won't ruin my August vacation this year if they bring anybody in. And I think part of it depends on whether they view John Franklin Myers long-term as a defensive end or a defensive tackle. And there's also a question, what do you do behind them? Do you try and bring anybody in for depth? Because they signed Vinnie Curry this past off season. And I was optimistic about it. And then Vinnie Curry got injured and didn't play at all. So I've just given you a lot, you know, vacation psychology, trying to, fix what was wrong on that trip, trying to, you know, the, the, the news that ruined my trip. Do they bring somebody in across from Lawson? Do they bring somebody in for the Curry role who hopefully could play next season? Let's unpack all of this. Yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, that's the most jet story of all time. I mean, just the off season supposed to be like your serenity, your release from having to deal with all the jets drama, but go all the way out West, literally as far out West as you can go. And, then Carl Lawson tears his Achilles and ruins, ruins everything. So it's the most Jets thing that could possibly happen. And I was getting depressed just listening to it. So hopefully we don't have to deal with that. Was, that was kind of the first domino. It felt like the Jets were having a really positive offseason. Then starting with that, everything kind of trended downhill from there. But um, 
as long as he's healthy, he should be, uh, you know, top 10 to 15 pass rusher off the edge, I feel like. Um, so it would be uh, that would be the biggest addition of their offseason if they got a healthy Carl Lawson. But um, opposite him is a big question mark, I think. Um, for me personally, I think John Franklin Myers is at his best on the inside. He was good this year, and I think that's why you resign, why they signed him to this extension is the versatility he provides is very valuable. I think he showed you he could be an above average defensive end, solid, you know, two way player at that position. And, you know, that really helps your team building to have a guy like that who over the years you could you know, if you get a big time edge talent, push him inside. If you get another big time D tackle, keep him outside. You know, that it's really valuable to have that. But I think at his best is when he's on the inside, where we saw him in 2020. I think that's where his athleticism is an advantage. On the outside, he's still able to win because he's a good technique, great power, but uh he's just not bending the corner out there like some of the most dangerous pass rushers in the game can, like Carl Lawson can. Uh he just doesn't have that explosive ability but on the inside he does have that because he is quick for a deep tackle so i think that's where he's at his best and then now you need another edge rusher if you're going to be doing that so i think that and robert Salas talked about it a lot they really want to maximize this pass rush build the defense around that front to back um, use the pass rush to improve the rest of the defense make their jobs easier and i think the um, ideal jets four-man rush is Quinn Williams and Franklin Myers inside Carl Lawson on the edge. And then opposite him is a big addition. They make this off season, whether that's a top five pick, whether that's a free agent, there are some solid options out there. Um, I think that is the, I think the perfect jets pass rush involves JFM on the inside. So I do think edge is going to be a big hole this off season, just like it was last year. And they picked up Lawson and that they should have that goal of getting a second weapon on the outside. So um, in free agency, there are some good options. Uh, Emmanuel Ogba is a guy who is kind of similar to the JFM role. I mean, he wouldn't really solve that explosiveness problem, but he's put up a ton of pressures the past couple years. Um, it's, it's, it's not really the best edge class. I mean, it's deep with solid names. Arden Key from the Niners uh, is a good one. Mario Addison, veteran from the Bills, still pretty good. Um, so it, it's, it's not the best, but there is a deep group of options if they want another Vinnie Curry type player, but, um, it might be in the draft where they find, uh, that second starting edge rusher. Um, so we'll have to see how, how they decide to attack this position, but I think there definitely will be uh, a big addition on the defensive line. Yeah. I'm always a little skeptical that you can add an impact edge rusher because it's, maybe the most important position on defense. And I think like when you get to the really, really high value positions, the great guys tend to not to hit free agency. They're either re-signed by their current team or if their current team cannot re-sign them. They trade them so that they get something in return rather than losing the player in free agency for nothing. So I know the Jets did get Carl Lawson last year and the Bengals replaced it with Trey Hendrickson who had a great season, but I think it's a very difficult position. I think for the most part with a few exceptions, such as the ones I mentioned, it kind of has to be addressed through the draft. Right. Yeah. It, it Last year was a pretty good edge class. So the Bengals were lucky that they were able to lose Lawson and then Hendrickson was out there because those two guys had similar numbers. 
I wasn't the biggest Hendrickson fan. I thought he got a lot of cleanup sacks, played a situational role, but he had an amazing season, answered all those questions. Um, this year it doesn't really have that depth in terms of star guys. I mean, Von Miller's out there, but you know, I don't know if he's going to leave or if the Jets are – the Jets are definitely not an option for that kind of guy. Um, Chandler Jones, same thing. Older players probably not going to want to come to a non-contending team. Uh, Hassan Reddick is – a good option in terms of his production, but he's more of an outside linebacker type uh, than like a four, three defensive end. So it's, it's not, I'm not sure the jets are going to be able to find a big time pass rusher out there. Again, they could find like that Vinnie Curry, which maybe even bring him back himself. Um, but if they're really looking for that game changer to go all in for this pass rush, I think it's going to have to come in the draft with one of those top 10 picks. Uh, but free agency, it's probably going to be focused more on uh, just depth. Yeah, just more so depth. I think free agency is what you're doing here. But I do think that edge is a very real possibility with uh, either one of those top 10 picks. And if we're moving JFM inside, then we're really talking about depth for defensive tackle. And the big question there might be whether the Jets re-sign Foley Fatukasi. And I will fully admit I am not objective there. I love Foley Fatakasi. He's one of my favorite players. So I don't know if I, I'm the right person to speak to here. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a huge Foley fan as well. I loved his game the last two years. It just becomes very interesting now because they already have so much money invested on this D-line with, uh, you know, three uh, you know, pending Quinn and Williams getting maybe an extension soon. That's a, a discussion for another day whether they do that or not but um you know that's probably going to happen you already have jfm already have carl lawson although that's not the most you know not the longest term commitment i think they can get out of it after this year um but there's still a lot of money invested in that d-line i do think foley kind of took a step back this year wasn't quite as dominant playing in a 4-3 scheme versus in a 3-4 where he got the two gap more often hold ground versus shoot gaps this year um, so I think with his performance decline a little bit this season, at least the way I uh, perceived his performance, um, I, it depends on what he gets, because I think if he gets like a top tier nose tackle contract, like that eight to 10 million per year, I'm probably out on that. But if they can get him out more, uh, get him more affordably, like five, six million per year, then I think for sure, bring him back because they do really need as much run defense help as they can get. Um, cause on that note, I think Sheldon Rankins really struggled against the run this season. And that cutting him is for the, I believe 6 million he'd free up is something they should, uh, consider doing. So they need all the run defense help they can get. And even if Foley wasn't as great this year as he was in the past, he's still solid and much better of a run defender than a lot of the other players they have. So, um, it, it comes down to price for me. I think we'll, He's not someone that I'd overpay to keep, but uh, he's definitely someone that if they can get him reasonably, I'd bring him back. I just have this vision of me going on vacation at some point in March and then reaching my destination and finding out Foley Fatukasi assigned somewhere else. So yeah. let's hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> Football is obviously over. Next year, hopefully, if the Jets make the right signings on the defensive side of the ball, they could have some playoff games you could bet on. And basketball is also in full steam for both pro and college hoops. And from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. 
BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to Olympics coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Let's talk about the linebacker position. This is a position that I think generates a lot of debate in the fan base about how good it really is because there's some people who like love what the Jets have at linebacker. I don't. I, I don't think it's awful, but I feel like C.J. Bosley's performance this past season, not quite as good as the team MVP award he won would indicate. And I think, listen, I think Quincy Williams was a phenomenal find for a waiver wire pickup from Jacksonville. He did way more than I was expecting. A guy who's, I think, part of the mix going forward, but I'm not entirely convinced he's a starter at linebacker. And I guess what you do at free agency and linebacker kind of depends on how you feel about these guys. No, I totally agree with, with your summary. I think uh, CJ Mosley this season was not a bad player. He wasn't bad, but he also wasn't, like you said, I don't think he was the team MVP. I would vote for George Fan over him. I would vote for probably Elijah Moore, Michael Carter over him. So I, I think I'd even vote for Franco Myers over him. He was good, but he's definitely not a superstar like uh I mean, maybe he didn't used to be a superstar, but he was a pro bowler and he was a top five to 10 sort of linebacker this year. I think he was solid above average. Um, But nevertheless, we know we're stuck with Mosley and he's, you know, a good player to have, but beside him is where the question marks start. And I think, like you said, Quincy Williams for, you know, what he is a waiver wire pickup in the middle of the season thrown into start, you know, great by those standards, you know, you you don't expect a guy to come in and do what he did at those expectations, but that doesn't mean he's a starter going forward. I think he made a lot of big plays that really stood out, but for every one of those, he was kind of at the center of all those issues that we complained about the defense all season. Why are you getting beat on screens? Why are you giving up eight yards on first down runs constantly? He was at the center of a lot of that took a lot of bad angles on screens could not, Fill his gaps against the run, was washed out the second level. He made a lot of mistakes that people didn't really pay a lot of attention to because his big plays um, were catching all the attention. So I think he's a great piece. I think as a, a backup situational player, awesome player to have, I think, special teams. But um, you got to shoot higher for a starter, I think. And they have so many holes that they might not be able to make a premium investment there because it might be down the needs list a little bit, but uh, it's, it's a position I think they can improve and I don't think they should settle for Quincy Williams there. So do you have any free agents you think could interest the jets this off season? I know you mentioned this may not be the area they focus on, but do you think there are any potential decent bargains out there who could fill the role? Yeah. Well, two, two names that come to mind immediately, not necessarily in the bargain category, but just guys who have a connection. And so they could, uh, you know, be pursued by the Jets are uh, first uh, Devondre Campbell from the Packers just had an all pro season, which was sort of an outlier for him. So maybe something to be wary of in terms of overpaying, but uh, he played under Jeff Ulbrich for a long time with the Falcons. Uh, Even if you're not getting the all pro guy that he was last year is probably still like an average kind of linebacker. So I think that would be an upgrade. Um, Then uh, 
Foise Alucan from the Falcons just led the league in tackles. Uh, he, he wasn't actually that good, but uh, he struggled a lot in coverage. But uh, he's a guy who I think he's very similar to the two guys they drafted last year, Nazaldine and Sherwood, smaller linebackers, more athletic, rangy type of player. Also has the Falcons connection from Jeff Ulbrich. Um, and there are some other linebackers on the free agent market. Um, A.J. Johnson from the Broncos, I think, is a good one. He's an underrated player, puts up really good advanced numbers in terms of his tackling and his coverage like that, uh, things like that. Jayon Brown is a good coverage linebacker from the Titans. So um, there are some good, solid options out there in terms of if they're just looking for an average, more experienced linebacker to put next to Mosley, then they should be able to get those. But like you said, it all comes down to their evaluation. If they love Quincy Williams, if they don't think linebacker is a big hole, then maybe they just stay put there. But uh, if they think they can upgrade, which I think they can, then uh, there are some, I think, average to above average linebackers they could get in free agency, such as uh, some of the names I mentioned. And there, there is one caveat here. I was talking about what Quincy Williams did this past year. He's still a pretty young player, so they may think they can develop him into something more. And if they think he's a starter-level player, or at least has that sort of potential, then they may focus elsewhere. Right. And development is definitely big, especially at this position, because, you know, Sal and Ulbrich are both um, experienced linebackers coaches, and they've had success developing this position with uh, Ulbrich with Deion Jones and the Falcons, and then Salah with Fred Warner and the Niners. And both those guys are non-first-round picks. So those guys, I, I think the Jets have shown, both with their draft picks and last year's draft, um, signing Jared Davis, a former first-round pick who kind of busted. I think they have shown that they are confident they could develop this position. So I think Quincy Williams really plays into that as a former third-round pick, great athlete. So if, if I had to guess, I honestly don't think they're going to make a huge move with this position and that Quincy Williams and Mosley will probably run it back next year. But um, that wouldn't be the best move to me. I try to upgrade, but uh, that's kind of where I think the signs point to. Now, corner is another interesting spot because the scheme they ran this year, I thought, was not very corner dependent, or at least maybe they were trying to hide the corners. So the question is, do they want to put more on the plate of the cornerbacks? The other question is, how do you view Bryce Hall? I think most people would say Bryce Hall is part of the solution going forward, but do you think Bryce Hall is a number one corner? If you do, your approach may be different than it would be if you thought Bryce Hall is a number two corner. So... What do you think here? Yeah, this is the probably the most interesting position to talk about in terms of how it's going to be approached because uh, it all comes down to multiple factors that are kind of subjective and just how you view this roster and how you view the game as a whole. You know, how important is corner? Is, uh, you know, the pass rush come before the cornerback and the second cornerback position in the secondary or do they work in tandem a little bit more? And in this scheme, is it that important? Um, and then the talent on your roster, how much do you like these guys? So um, for me personally, I, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle because I think the talent is a little bit overrated outside of Bryce Hall. I really like Bryce Hall. I think he's not a number one corner, doesn't quite have the big time playmaking skills, um, but he's, I think his coverage is solid, good tackler underneath. Um, and he, he really is able to make a lot of pass deflections, use his length and his good coverage to make those, but he 
just doesn't find the ball well, so he doesn't make any picks, and he gives up a few more touchdowns than you'd like, but the overall coverage is good. So I like Bryce Hall. I think he's a long-term starter as, like, your number two guy. But uh, I think Eccles is great value for a six-round pick. But, um, you know, he's a depth piece, I think. I don't think you want him as your starter long-term. And then Carter second, I think, is a little bit in between those two guys. I think he is starter quality, but I don't think he's proven to be a good starter yet. Um, so in terms of overall talent, I think they can get a lot better, but I'm just not a huge fan of the cornerback positions value. Uh, I really agree with Salah's sort of approach that it's a front to back game and that the pass rush is a lot more, uh, not that cornerback is important, but I think the pass rush can supplement, uh, can help out the corners and the secondary a lot more than vice versa. They can, you know, the coverage can create coverage sacks. Um, and, and all that, but I think more so the front seven helps out the secondary than the other way around. So I agree with that. So that's why I think I would address the defensive line first, um, just from that philosophical standpoint, but that's all subjective. So if, if you believe that cornerback is very important, equally important to the pass rush and you want to get a big time corner, I'm okay with that too. That's just, that's just how I see it. I think pass rush is where it all starts. So uh, it really all comes down to a lot of different factors in terms of how you value different things, um, how the Jets are going to attack this. But I think the signs point to that they are going to um, kind of stay put here because, you know, like I said, you know, it seems like Sal is based around that D-line first mentality. Pass rush helps the corners. Um and then he, he's really gushed about this young cornerback group, that trio in particular. It doesn't, both in the senior bowl this past week and throughout the season, it, he seems really content with these guys. And it's another position I feel like they're confident in their development ability. So I don't think they're going to make a huge free agent move. But if they want to, there are similar, I think it's stronger than linebacker, but um, it doesn't necessarily have huge names other than jc jackson um he's probably the crown jewel of the group but other than that there are some solid starters stopgap veterans they can get casey hayward's a veteran who had a good season last year um darius williams is getting close to 30 but he's a good starter um charvarius ward from the chiefs more in his prime he's only 27 um so there there are some good names out there at the corner position kyle fuller sydney jones um shaq griffin so there, uh, and Sidney Jones has the uh, Joe Douglas connection through the Eagles too. So there, there are some solid names at corner. I think if they want to improve there, but um, I don't think they're going to make a big free agent play. Just kind of reading the tea leaves a little bit, but um, it's a decent. I, th- I would say it's a decent uh, cornerback class. I think Carlton Davis would be a great fit, but I, I agree yeah, with he's, you. He's I, another one too that I'd probably you know, put in that top tier. He's definitely, yeah, I I'd actually, he's, he's not JC Jackson caliber, but uh, he's definitely in his prime, very good corner. So I'd put him up there too. And I think there's one other factor and it. I think some of it goes back to, there are certain positions. Maybe you have more confidence you could coach up than others. And if you look, look through Salah's career, I mean, going back and he obviously was not that influential in his Seattle days, but his early days of coaching in the NFL, he was there with the Legion of Boom, and Seattle built the best secondary in the NFL. It was a corner group of Richard Sherman, Byron Maxwell, 
uh, Jeremy Lane. I mean, they had a bunch of late round picks. They also signed Brandon Browner from the CFL. So that was a situation where he saw in one of his formative years as a coach, a team really coach up guys who were late round picks or in the case of Brown or a CFL guy. And then also in San Francisco, when he was running that defense, they weren't really investing a ton. I mean, they got a couple of good veteran who kind of reclamation projects in there, but I wonder whether it's just one of those things that they believe they can make it work with guys who have a certain skill set. Right. Yeah. And I think the Niners background really uh, points to that, you know, they made the Richard Sherman signing that pops out, but, um, Going back to Seattle, like you said, and with the Niners, uh, outside of Sherman, it was a lot of late-round picks out in that secondary. Um, so it does seem like that they're content with this group. I think uh, – and I agree with that perspective in terms of from a team-building um, kind of way of looking at it and the value of that position. I think just the, the way rules are trending, the restrictions on contact – um, and ju- just the way offenses play, they get the ball out quicker, shorter, and like pure coverage talent downfield, re- like Revis Island man-to-man is just not quite as prevalent and doesn't get a chance to make an impact as much. So it's a more fundamental position where it's just about execute your role, don't blow coverages, make your tackles, don't commit penalties. Those are the most important things at corner, and they really do matter. But are those things that you need to spend a ton of money on or a high draft pick. Personally, I don't think so. So I agree with it, but I also think the talent on this on this unit can be a lot better. I don't think they have a corner one. I don't think Eccles is a guy you want starting necessarily. So uh, I don't love the talent, and I think that if that they should explore improvements within reason. But uh, but I do agree with their team building philosophy, and I think reading the signals that it seems like corner is not going to be a priority but we'll see they could be smoke screening they could change things up um we'll see what happens but it does it, it does seem right now that they don't want to prioritize spending on corner and even when san francisco signed richard sherman with salad when salad was there it was not like a mega deal he was kind of coming off yeah. an injury so it was kind of like a buy it was, it's not like they were completely ignoring it but they weren't giving richard sherman like top corner in the NFL money. So I think right. that's another yeah. thing that points to maybe approaching it in a more laid back kind of way. Yeah. So, you know, Richard Sherman's a big name, but, and, and he did end up playing well with the Niners, but at that point it was, uh, I forget what the numbers were in that deal, but I'm pretty sure it was only two years. It might've been like 10 million per year or something. So it wasn't a huge deal. Um, and then just playing back to the you know the pass rush impact part of it, his first year there he put up I think the worst numbers of his career, and then the second year he got back to putting up elite numbers. And you know the biggest change in that Niners team was they got Nick Bosa and they got D Ford um, from 2018 to 19. So you could see that pass rush impact start to help even with the biggest name corner that they did have his performance directly correlated with those pass rush changes. So um, I don't think we're going to see a big corner move, but we'll see what happens. Well, unfortunately, the Jets have to pay their free agents in money, but if they could, I bet they wish they could pay them in Built Bars. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. These are protein bars, but they taste like candy bars because they're covered in 100% real chocolate. If you haven't tried Puffs yet, you're missing out. Puffs is the first ever protein infused marshmallow. 
They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. And you should know that most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. And there are so many delicious flavors. you got mint brownie, you got coconut almond. And new for this month is white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious, and there are new flavors coming out all the, all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it. It will be delicious, and it will be good for you. So go to Built.com and check out all the delicious flavors. You can find the Built Bar of your choice. Again, that's Built.com, B-U-I-L-T.com for Built Bars. All right, well, let's finish by talking about the safety position. And I think that there's a clear top guy in this class, and I think he's, I'd say he's a great fit for the Jets scheme, but I just think he's a great fit for any scheme. Let's see if we're on the same page here. Okay, I'm gonna. There, there's two guys I think it, it could be, um, but based on the last part of it that you said, I'm gonna guess that your guy is Jesse Bates. Oh no, it's Marcus Williams. Okay, that that's my other choice. That's my other choice. The same name as a former Jets dimeback who inexplicably just like had this like one yeah. season stretch where he just like intercepted everything and then. Yeah, like picked off one or two passes the rest of his career. You know, have a Marcus Williams back in New York, another ball hawking Marcus Williams. I think he'd be a really good fit. And looking at the Jet, looking at the Saints cap situation, I feel like there's a pretty good chance he hits the open market. And you know, it's it's always tough this time of year because a lot of the guys we talk about are going to end up either re-signing or getting franchised. So it's always a bit of a guessing game. But that's a guy I feel pretty good about hitting the open market this year. Yeah, I agree with you because you look at that Saints cap situation and and they've obviously gotten themselves out of holes in recent years, worked their magic, but this is different this year. They're in a huge hole. They're entering a rebuild now that Sean Payton's gone. Um, it seems like Marcus Williams is going to be out there. Um, and, and I agree with you. It's He's a guy who I think really fits with what they want to do. Defensively, he's a, a deep safety who... Um, just year after year has, has done a great job, even if he doesn't put up the most, uh, and, and he does put up good numbers in terms of takeaways and stuff. But even if he's not Ed Reed on that level, it's just you look at his coverage numbers and watch him play um, and, and look at his impact on that Saints defense. And what's most impressive is that the guy just doesn't give up catches. He doesn't give up anything. And that does obviously when you're playing free safety, you're not necessarily – you know, manning up against guys or anything like that, but it's just about play your role, be where you need to be, and, and don't botch coverages and consistently and year after year it gives up, um, if not the fewest, close to the fewest catches among safeties every single year. So that that's exactly what this defense needs. We saw so many botched coverages and at the worst times from Jets safeties this year, um, which, you know, they're younger guys, so you expect it, but, you know, they're – it's probably not going to change with some of these players who are Ashton Davis hasn't developed that well. Um, and then the rest of these players are undrafted low round picks who don't have the most talent, but Marcus Williams has established himself as a really good deep safety and would stabilize this defense. That was very big place uh, susceptible last year. Um, he would really stabilize the unit um, in addition to bringing the playmaking through the air. So I think Marcus Williams is a, very good. Uh, to me, he's the Dalton Schultz of the defensive side. In terms of a perfect free agent target for the Jets, that's a guy who I'd be comfortable giving 
a lot of money to because I think he fits the scheme and checks boxes that they need to check. But the guy I brought up earlier, Jesse Bates, is uh, is another good option. He had um, sort of a down year in 2021 after a huge 2020 season, but he's made up for it in the playoffs. He's had a huge playoff run. Um, versatile safety that can do a lot of different things well, big-time playmaker, good tackler. Um, so either one of those guys, and you know what? I wouldn't even care if they got both. I don't think they could afford both. But um, if they, if making two big – this is a position where making two big moves is something they could do because the only safety under contract is Ashton Davis, unless you want to throw Jason Pinnock in there. Um, and I don't – I don't see him as, as a starter. I don't know if anyone else does, but um, they really have two starting uh, safety spots open. So this is a spot where you can make uh, two two big moves. Obviously not necessarily uh, signing Bates and Marcus Williams won't happen, but uh, sign, they could sign one of these guys and then maybe get like a, a more mid-tier starter, a guy like Xavier Woods, J. Ron Curse, um, a veteran like Kareem Jackson, maybe even bring back LaMarcus Joyner. Um, the safety market is one of the strongest out there, I think, in free agency. Quandre Diggs is out there um, as probably another top-tier option with Marcus Williams and Jesse Bates. Um, Chikwaski Tart uh, has the Niners uh, familiarity with Robert Sala. So there are some uh, – this is this is one of the stronger positions out there, which is a good thing for the Jets who have two open starting spots at this position. And of course, there are a couple of good draft prospects, and it all kind of ties together because before my trip down the Pacific Coast Highway, I was in San Francisco, and before I left, and those were the innocent days before I learned of the Carl Lawson injury, or the innocent days before the Carl Lawson injury happened, I, I saw Hamilton, which, of course, Kyle Hamilton is viewed as a top pick. He could be an option potentially at four or 10 for the Jets, so that could be another guy who, who could be part of the mix. Yeah, so, I mean, the draft as well, another pretty good group of safeties, especially with Hamilton at the top. Um, So I think the Jets are fortunate at this position that they have a lot of good options to solve this. So um, it's a huge hole, but they have the resources and the opportunities in the draft to immediately turn this position around. So um, I agree with you, Marcus Williams, priority number one. Jesse Bates would be my number two option. Um, and even if you don't get one of those guys, I didn't even mention Tyron Matthew, who's up there in age, but um, it might be really expensive, but uh, just another name in a very talented safety market. So uh, Jets have a big need here, and they should have a lot of options to to fill that need. Oh, well, Michael, great speaking with you. Great seeing you for the first time. First yeah. time we've ever seen each other, thanks to the magic of Locked On Jets on YouTube. Thanks so much for stopping by. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, and uh, hopefully this year, when you have a West Coast trip, it'll, uh, it'll it'll be more peaceful. Let's not have, let's have no news whatsoever, because I don't know if there is good Jets news you could hear about in August, so let's just have no Jets notifications whatsoever when uh, you're actually, driving you... down the Pacific Highway this year. Oh, let me tell you the, the ultimate end of the story is I ended up in San Diego for cut down day and the Jets cut Ryan Griffin. Okay. So you want to so that, you wanna talk, that's impossible. You want to talk about, you wanna talk about horrible days? The Jets cut Ryan Griffin. And then they brought him back. Then they brought him back the next day. Fortunately, they brought him back the next day. So, you know, we we're all, all was good there, but that was, that was a tough one. Anyway, Michael, thank you so much. Great speaking <laughs> with you today. Thanks so much for having me. 
That's all for today's episode. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you like what you hear or see, click the subscribe button. If you're watching on YouTube and like what you see, give this episode a thumbs up. It'll help other Jets fans find this channel. Enjoy your long weekend. We'll be back next week to talk more Jets.